0: a different perspective. I've been working for about 15 years in various kinds of digital product development and something that's been sort of on my mind for quite a long time is around how do you find direction and how do you actually ensure that you can with repeated uh, process go through a good product development process. <laughs> now so my name is Lars and I am a product lead at US2. Um, I thought that would be quite a, a boring introduction so I added a few things about things that I care about. My um, screen vanished. <laughs> uh, so, just a few things that I think about and things that matter to me is that I put people. But what I mean by that is more the value in people, how we spend our time, and how we appreciate and value the people that we design for, etc. I put sustainability because I think that we're sort of going on a downward spiral in on that one. And I think that we have a lot of responsibilities as designers and as product developers to think about that and how we leave something positive behind that's better than what we came to. Crafts and culture because I think it's something that kind of captures the time that we live in, uh, the things that we create that captures the spirit of the time in a way. And similarly, photography, which is a small nation interest of in mine, but again, Something that captures the time that we live in and becomes an interesting record. And why do I tell you about that? Well, because some of those things that are personal interest to in me will shape and influence the thing that I work on. And that is true whether it's on a personal level or if it's on a company level. I work with these people. Um, so, us to used to be quite a small uh, design studio once upon a time. And we've grown quite substantially. So we now have studios in four different countries, and we have about 230 people. Always slightly confusing with the name us 2 because people think we're a very small company, but uh, the reason for the name us 2 is because there's two founders that originally set up the company. And we're quite a diverse bunch of people as well. We're about 26 different nationalities within those 230 people. (laughs) Um, I'm not planning to spend a lot of time talking about our work, but I thought I'd give you some sort of context of what we do. So a big portion of what we do is actually client service work, where we work together with companies to develop products together with them in partnerships. Um, We used to be slightly more design-focused before, but we've ended up in a situation where we tend to look a little bit more at the broader picture of developing the whole product these days. well, the type of work we do is in different industries, banking, retail, automotive, a number of different areas. Um, more importantly, I guess some of you might have seen this game, um, it's Monument Valley, that we released about a year and a half from now, uh, ago. And it's always been an important part of what we do is we work with our own products. Uh, Initially mostly as an experiment, as a way of learning, uh, to understand what it involves to take products ourselves to the market. So Monument Valley Inevitably have been a big success for us and it's uh, built up a reputation for the company. It is still a very small part of what we do, and we do a lot of other things. We have also released a couple of other products that maybe got less attention, such as mood notes, which is kind of a a journaling for your moods to be able to track and understand how you react and it's particularly, healthy for people, uh, particularly helpful for people with uh, mental difficulties and so on to be able to track and follow up on, on their moods. And we've just released, I think it was a day or two ago, uh, an app that's called PAUSE. It's again about finding mindfulness and finding a bit of space to, to sort of breathe and, and get perspective when you're working. Um, and there's one product that's actually moved a little bit from one category to another. Which is into ventures. So we've been working with something called Wayfinder, which is um, kind of navigation uh, for vision impaired people in the public transport. And that was kind of moved into this category now, which is uh, ventures become a non profit venture that we've done in collaboration with the TFL, which is the public transport system in London. Otherwise, the most Bigger venture that we've been involved in is Dice, which is a music ticketing app that basically enables you to discover music, buy tickets from venues, and essentially bring your mobile app as the tickets to the, the venues themselves. But what I was planning to talk to you about today is, at least for the time being, not so much about us, too, but more a little bit of a journey that I've been on myself in reflecting upon the, the work that I've done. And it's been a kind of a journey thinking about what does it take to, do, to deliver products to the market and it's been more about, not so much about what is a good product, but more about what are the ingredients that will make in a successful product, a successful product team. And I've got the word successor here and that's a term that we use quite a lot in us too. It's a term that Mills, our CEO, to once upon a time, because he feels that even if we have failures, there's always some level of success, and that we learn something, uh, we can bring it to something new. So, once upon a time, (laughs) once upon a time when I entered university, I was fairly confused, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and um, as a consequence, I started listening to people, and um, I eventually ended up in business school, because that was supposed to be whatever gave me the most flexible options so I could do whatever I want in the future. And that, of course, didn't prove to be true. Because uh, later, I found I'd kind of like to be an architect, and business school was completely useless for that purpose. But nevertheless, I learned a few things in business school, and I managed to bring me in two things that's kind of been really important to me. One thing was that technology has the ability to make quite a big impact on our lives, both in terms of how we live and how we work. So that was something I was quite fascinated about and wanted to work further with. Secondly, ventures was something I came across in business school. And I found it quite intriguing how people can, with very limited resources, and small teams, accomplish quite amazing things. So that was something that made me quite curious. Now, I didn't end up setting up my own startup at the time, but I joined a startup. and. Um, and auto was a company that had a quite fascinating technology about digital pen and paper. So it, allows me the opportunity, it allowed me the opportunity to see a venture from inside and to explore a technology that was quite different at the time. So we started off with quite a, a grand vision. Uh, we had the idea of bringing handwriting from paper basically into uh, our mobile devices, our computers, to make a more emotional way of communicating. And because we thought that wasn't enough, we thought also we would like to create a paper-based internet, because we had the ability of basically tracking any piece of paper to any piece of content. Um, and it was a fascinating time. We, we were working together with an amazing team. We had a very clear purpose in mind, and it gave us the ability to accomplish amazing things through the first two or three years. we almost made it there. Um, we created a product, but it wasn't quite a product that we thought it would be to make. We ended up going through repeated mistakes of uh, trying to launch a consumer product that turned out to be a too big pen that was too expensive and nobody really saw the purpose of it. So at the end of the day, it ended up being a product that was very useful for something completely different, which was about tracking parking tickets. Um, checking gas inspections etc and in all fairness there's nothing wrong with that but um, we kind of deviated from our vision and it was something quite different And gradually a big part of that team started drifting away and on uh, leaving the company now my naive analysis at the time was that it was all about bad design and We should have been able to listen to customers at an earlier stage, we should have actually paid attention to what they really wanted to do. I think the real story, which I kind of uncovered later, was that it was a lot more about distractions. We started out with a very clear purpose. Uh, That purpose kind of became secondary as we started working because we got into funding rounds of some 25, 30 million euros every time. It was a lot of money we went through. Um, That was kind of required because it was a hardware business as well and there was quite substantial investments in it. But I think going through these funding rounds kind of took us away from our original purpose. It became a little bit of this and a little bit of this. Uh, There was a lot of distractions around hiring people too fast, not quite knowing what people would be doing because they were not sure about their purpose. They started creating their own ideas of what we were doing. And eventually, it sort of faded away and it's not, the company is still around, so there's a certain testament to the idea itself. Uh, But like I said, they're still working primarily with parking tickets and gas inspections and the likes. So eventually, I moved on from that. This is not a chronological perspective, so I'm jumping in time a little bit here. But um, at a much later point in time, I ended up co-founding a startup in California, uh, which was a mobile payment startup. And I show this picture mostly because that's probably what you would assume the life is like if running a startup in California. It has nothing to do with that. It looks a lot more like this. And uh, I found myself spending two years in this lovely building. It doesn't look like much, but it was quite a fascinating time at the same time. There's about 100 startups that are housed in this building. Um, it was an amazing place to exchange ideas, good and bad ones. There's a lot of bad ones there. Uh, but it was a great place, kind of a melting point where people shared ideas and some startups fell apart and people joined forces and they created a new startup, etc. Our startup was relatively stable for a while. Um, we were working on a mobile payments platform, and given the time around 2009, it felt like that could have been a pretty good opportunity. And, uh, been about the right time, we had some great partners. We worked with both Target and uh, Target as a supermarket in, uh, in the US, and things were going quite well for a while. We built up a quite well balanced team with a couple of designers, some business people, and a team of developers, and it felt really healthy for a while. And eventually, it felt a bit more like this. Uh, we came to a point. It wasn't quite disturbing, but this is kind of what was happening in my head at the time. Um, it took me quite a long time to kind of come to terms with what that meant. Eventually things sort of fell, started falling apart uh, because the founders of the company started having different ideas about why we were in business and the unfortunate challenge with that is that when the founders of the company start having differences about why they're running the business, the rest will fall apart and will not be able to continue. And I think the challenge that we had, the problem that we faced was that we had a really clear idea about what we were creating. And we felt that we had a really clear idea about how to build a team and how to make the product happen, etc. What we completely failed to discuss about was why are we in business together? And it turned out as we went through this process that the fundamental reason why things were not working was because we had different ideas about what we wanted to achieve and why we were in business. So some of the learnings that I'm taking from this is that ventures are an amazing place to create and build ideas and you can do things with very small team, and very limited resources that is unparalleled to anything you can do in any other business. Yet, it is very fragile because most startups sooner or later lose focus on their purpose and that tends to make the company fall apart. And I think the learning, especially from the later part of my uh, my journey was that the why matters so much more than the what what we create. Uh, and we really need to spend enough time with our teams to understand why are we building like we are. Whether it's a product or whether it's a startup, it really matters why we're trying to create it. So, there's a little bit of... Painful steps to go through. It didn't, well, it did partially hurt financially and um, career wise, but it was sort of this bittersweet experience that you go through. And fortunately, I had kind of went through a second journey, which was more of a mental journey in the process. That was more about finding inspirations for what I'm talking about today. And I spent quite a long time in Japan. Uh, I was there setting up the an auto office in Japan. And the thing that struck me in Japan was that people had the ability to spend an entire lifetime dedicated to a craft or something, for example, flower arrangements or a tea ceremony or a and The intriguing part of that was that they didn't really have any goal, they were not planning to participate in any competitions or anything like that. It was entirely about going through the process and feeling a slight sense of mastery over time. And that was the pure purpose of what they were doing. I'm not sure if you know this man. Um, his name is Jiro Ono. And he runs a surprisingly small sushi place in a metro station in Tokyo. Um, he was discovered by Michelin a few years ago, and he's got a 3 3 star Michelin rating as well. Um, He's an interesting character. He's about 85 to 90 years old now. He's been making sushi for about 65, 70 years. Uh, he's kind of the extreme testament to this idea of having a life purpose, which he's completely dedicated himself to. The best part is that his son is 56, and he's just graduated from basically making rice to going and buying the fish. He still won't let him touch the sushi. He's only the, the only person making the sushi still. But at the same time, it's amazing to see how that sense of life purpose is translated into the quality of the product that he create. And at the same time, I spend a lot of time looking at Japanese products in general. And they do have a reputation being fantastic quality products. A lot of that dedication that they might be spending on other things kind of goes into the products that they make as well. But there's one little piece that is missing, which is often... It's not exactly products that make our hearts sing. It's not quite something that we relate to very personally, very emotionally. It's good products. We buy it because it's a good product. So this was a thought that I kind of brought with me when I went to design school later on. And I probably came to design school with a fairly, fairly naive perspective on what it means to design. and Quite a super, superficial perspective on design. But the main lesson that I found in the process of going through design school and later on as a designer was it's really important to bring your point of view to what you create. And what I mean with that is kind of bringing a piece of how you look upon the world into your product. Because that's the little piece that makes it speak to other people. And I think this picture may be a slightly extreme example of that. It's what is called an Earth ship which is a building that is basically built from recycled materials that's heated by the sun, that recycles water naturally, etc. So it's kind of an extreme interpretation of architecture where you have the view that we need to build for buildings that blend in with our environment to be more careful. And the other thing that I kind of took from this is that, and which is something which is very essential atoms us to more than anything, you have to care. You cannot build a product that's actually going to have any impact unless you genuinely care about it. And that doesn't really matter if it's a mobile banking application or if it's a game. You have to bring the same level of care to it to be able to genuinely create something that matters. And I kind of like this statement, which is by photographer William Alba Dallard, which kind of says the same thing but in a different context. took a few examples in here to kind of talk about what a point of view might mean. This one might be slightly outdated, uh, and I don't think it fully reflects Apple as it is today. But I think Apple had a very clear point of view on the computer market in the 80s, and what was making Apple different from the typical computer, computer market at the time. And I think there's a piece of that that's still in the DNA of Apple, but obviously the company looks very different today. Another company which is quite fascinating is Tesla, who have taken a product that we kind of looked at as a bit mediocre, the electric car, and you might barely be able to go shopping with it because it has such a short reach, etc. And they've translated it into something that has changed our, percep- changed our perception of the, the vehicle itself. And it also kind of makes a statement about how we have a need to look at the environment and the sustainability aspects of cars at the same time as who says we should compromise and who says we shouldn't have fun. Another product which is, has a really interesting connection to Portugal I believe as well, which is actually a Dutch uh, product, uh, Fairphone, and I believe the software is made in Portugal, If I'm not completely wrong. They also take an interesting perspective on um, on their product. Uh which is again a little bit maybe on the sustainability aspect, but they looked at it slightly differently. So they looked at the full supply chain of what is a mobile phone. And they've considered where does the metals come from the phone? Um, how is the method of manufacturing? How can we have components in the phone that could potentially be upgradable and reusable? And how can we recycle the entire phone? Which also applies a very interesting point of view on how they think about the, the product. Finally, I wanted to give you a point of view that's slightly different. Uh, it's not a particularly bold point of view. It's a pretty simple point of view, but it's a very consistent point of view. Uh, like, as a camera manufacturer, I have always focused on the photographic experience and the essence of taking a picture, which is never been carried away with technology or fashion. It's always come back to its essence. And I think it's interesting that in 2014, I believe this camera was launched, they are launching a digital camera that has no screen. And the reason for that is that you go back to the essence of taking the image while at the same time having all the digital features in there. So it is still a digital camera, you can still do post-processing on it, etc. but it captures the essence of photography. Very long quote, unfortunately, uh, but a very important one. (coughs) By David Packard, who's one of the founders of uh, Hewlett Packard, and he kind of talks about the misconception <laughs> of business for the purpose of making money, which is often a reasoning that we encounter when we talk to clients as well that we have to focus on the thing that's revenue generating. But what we miss with that is then that most businesses are not actually built to make money, money is a fundamental thing that we need to be able to make the business work but there's usually a different underlying reason to why we're in business. And it's really important that we go back to that. So, in summary, I believe that purpose matters very much to the products that we work with. Uh, Sometimes, purpose can be the end goal in itself. And that is something that is reflected in us too, actually, the way that we work, the way that the company was set up. So our two co-founders, Mills and Sings, they do have real names, but everybody knows them by Mills and Sings. Um, their idea is not exactly to build a company and sell it off and move to a tropical island. It's not about having studios from twenty twenty-five countries uh, be big and dominating. It's about creating a space where we can build good work uh, and we can work with people that we really care about. And it matters quite a lot because it creates a space where people come not thinking too much about the future, what's going to happen. Are we really doing the right thing for the company? But they're actually thinking about the work because that is the essence of why we're there. And like I said, it's really important to bring a point of view to what you work with because that is the little piece in your products that speaks to the customers, that speaks to the end users. And it's important to have a really proper, clear understanding of our reason for being as a business. Not just the goals that we set out for ourselves or the strategy that we set out, but what is our real reason to be as a business? So, um, since I came to us two, I kind of got reason to revisit all of these ideas and think about what does that really mean. What is it about us two as well that enables us to quite successfully repeatedly do products that are? perhaps not always one of the value, but um, half-decent products that people are quite happy with, independent of the field and So the things that we as a company stand by are some of these things. Um, this is not something that we, we sat down five years ago and we wrote down and we said, well, these are the things that we should stand by. This was more a way of trying to capture what we already were. Uh, so we were kind of observing who we are as people, observing, what we care about, and what is important to business. And trying to translate that mostly for the purpose of being able to share when we get new people joining the company, etc. And another important thing for us is that we feel that it's really important that we invest as much time into designing ourselves as much as designing the products that we work. With. And it's always been a really important thing in us, too, that we always challenge the way that we are and think about, is that the right thing for the future, or do we have some areas where we need to rethink? And this has been continuously going on that we keep on challenging, sometimes a little bit too much, but we, we keep on questioning who we are. And right now, for example, there's a lot of conversations around diversity and gender issues where we feel like we're doing okay, but we could definitely be better on that front. So. It is important to go back to the core question now why are you in business? Um, I'm surprised at the amount of times that I've talked to clients who don't really have a clear idea about why they're in business. They've been given instructions to do something, and that's what they're working with. But it's always really important, whether it's on a business level or if it's on a product level, to step back to that idea about why are we in business or why are we building this product. The next little trick with that is that ultimately, you need to do something that actually matters to your customers, and there's a good example, for example, with Patagonia, who does a lot of efforts into well, sustainability and sort of protecting the environment, which makes a lot of sense for them. Now, I would imagine if you take a brand like Ferrari, that wouldn't quite resonate with their customers the same way. Uh, so. Depending on who you are as a company, you kind of need to define that in relation to your customers as well. Something that resonates with them. Another important part and sort of the essence of any business is that the people that you have and the culture that you create over time is what defines you. And that also defines the kind of products that you're trying to create. Us 2 is a slightly weird place. It doesn't look like this every day. But uh, we have this annual holiday that we, <laughs> we go to once a year. And um, there's an element of that that we bring with us back to work as well. It's quite a play for culture. Now, some of this stuff that I've been talking about, you might be feeling, well, you know, if you're thinking about this in a startup or if you're thinking about this in a corporate world, that's very different. And I do believe that there's an element where corporates have to learn from startups about what it is that inspires people, that drives people to create things that is somehow with less resources, smaller teams, etc. I don't believe the solution is to try to create startups inside of corporates, but I think it's more about observing the dynamics, the little details that inspires people in these startups. But what I've found as well is that, no matter how you twist and turn this, and what is true for a startup as well as a corporate is that, there's a few pieces that defines who you are as a company. Um, this is kind of at the foundation for whatever product that you create. And in my mind, purpose kind of is at the heart of that. You kind of need to have an idea of who you are as a company and why you exist. Looking at getting the right people is important, attracting the right people is important, but. If you don't have a clear idea of why you exist, it's very difficult to attract those people. And likewise, of course, if you don't have the right people, you'll be struggling to achieve your purpose, etc. But ultimately, these pieces create your culture, and that's kind of something that us too have been doing over time, but not fully consciously, just kind of intuitively building upon getting the right people into the company, making sure we make the most of the people that we have. Always having a somewhat clear purpose about why we're there to start with. So, um, this might be slightly higher level and just talking about the business as a whole. Some of you might feel that it's very difficult to influence the work on that level, but I would sort of challenge you to think about how does this affect the work that you do? Because if you have a company that is not clear about your direction, then you will be struggling to create some really good work. And I'll make an attempt to kind of talk a little bit about how we translate the idea of purpose also into the actual product development. And I could have been talking quite a lot about these kind of things around um, lean campuses and how we work in Agile, etc. And we do. Uh, We try to apply that very rigorously but flexible at the same time on different projects that we work on. The reason I didn't talk so much about that today is because this kind of addresses more the what and the how we develop things, and it doesn't fully address the why. Interestingly, as Roman was talking a little bit about strategy and vision before, I could have been talking about strategy and vision. The reason I don't do that is because I feel that the vision and the strategy that we create is kind of a projection into the future that we would like the future to look like. And it's always quite difficult when you try to create these statements internally. There's a lot of people involved and ultimately you end up with something that's not quite clear and it's very difficult to follow. I feel that the idea of purpose is something that we don't necessarily create, but it's something that we bring with us as a foundation to create a strategy for. And it's much easier to go back to the reason for existing, the reason why we come to work, the reason why we love the products we do, than... And a strategy that we articulate based on so many different complex parameters. So this is kind of the model that we try to apply, sort of how we apply purpose in the work that we do. I've sort of borrowed it from a company called our creative learning program in Denmark that's called KalsPilot, which is something I definitely recommend you to take a look at. It's been an amazing experience for our team to go through that. But this picture is trying to capture the idea that when you lead a team, you need to start with a purpose in mind, the purpose of why you're creating the product that you do. Once you have that really clear, then you can create frameworks around this, kind of the rules and the structure that enables you to come back and revisit that purpose. And there's another interesting ingredient, which is what they call drama. When we set out to create product, we don't generally know what's going to happen. We think that we do, but every time things happen. And it's really important that you kind of embrace that from the beginning of the project, you kind of open yourself up to interact with it and try to make the most of the so, we talk about when I talk about purpose, how do we actually think about that on a product level? Well, again, same thing, you need to go back to the question of why does this product really serve a purpose, why does it have a reason to assist? Not only the boss, which is what you always spend our time on usually. Making sure that you bring a point of view to what you're working with. Um, it is beneficial to work with lean canvases, it's important to work in some of these lean iterations, etc. The challenge is if you don't bring that ingredient into the product, it's likely to be a fairly bland product at the end of the day and make sure that you kind of bring into the product as well a sense that you genuinely care. And it sometimes doesn't matter what you care about. You have to care about something. You need to show that you do. I put the picture of Monument Valley here because it's been an interesting journey for them as well when they started building upon a game. And what they had at the beginning was the idea that they wanted to create a truly sort of unobtrusive experience, a genuinely beautiful experience in a game, and it helped them of course decide on certain things like not putting advertising into it and things like that, but also as they started building the plot, it started getting gradually more complex, they realized they needed to sort of trim it back and go back to its original purpose, and it became this game that was only exactly what it needed to be and nothing more. It could have been things around monetization. It could have been adding things, from different levels. And, but they decided to just straight <coughs> sort of take it back to this whole core purpose. When I mentioned about frameworks before, uh, that's kind of where things become a bit more practical. And when we talk about these startup methods, working in Agile, Scrum, etc., this is where we bring that in. Once we've got a clear purpose that we're working around. We try to apply an appropriate set of frameworks to the projects that we work with. I guess because we work with external clients, we kind of have to think quite flexibly about that. So each client has different levels of understanding and experience of this before they have different levels of flexibility in adapting to it. So we try to apply this quite flexibly depending on what's appropriate for each client. But there's also important pieces is this, which is around communication and the tools that we choose to work with. Um, I put this application up here, which was uh, an application we worked with together with Jaguar. It was released just a couple of weeks ago. And um, it was a very simple project, but it was an attempt where we kind of also tried to share some of our learnings in terms of Agile and how we work with products but we didn't really want to set up a too complicated structure to it. We didn't want to have a too rigorous scrum process to it. So we ended up finding a nice sort of balance between some little regular ceremonies and some tools that allow us to have a regular communication, etc. But this is something we implement very differently depending on the clients that we work with. And the drama, like I said, this is a quote from David Narcombe, from one of the, the creators of, of Chaos Pilots, where he talks about The real difference between teams that try to avoid drama and the ones that interact and embrace drama is that that's where you find these serendipitous moments, the little challenges that actually makes a difference in the end product that you create. And it's really important that you do embrace those ideas and that you kind of go with an open mind into that as a project team. So tying these little pieces together, I feel that We shouldn't underestimate the importance of shaping the business that we work within to define really clearly about who we are as a business and why we're in business. And when you lead your products, lead with a why, and make sure that you align your team around the why we're in business. Ash Moria once said this quote, that life is too short to build something that nobody wants. And I would kind of like to add that life is too Life is short, so make everything that you build build matter. That's all for me. Thank you very much.